0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It has been a while. Life is crazy. We do this for free. Everybody calm down. My name is Jake Brown. This is Popcorn Optional. We are a movie podcast. Uh, We talk reviews. We talk movies, TV, news, everything that's going on. We're just a bunch of idiots having a good time. I am here with Trevor Allison. Trevor, how you doing?
1: I'm good. I am good. Um, bought a house, so that's why I've been out for a month. That's the way yeah. it
0: goes. Trevor's been channeling his uh, his fixer-upper, living in Waco <laughs> and buying a fixer-upper. Way to go. That's way right. to be really on brand with Waco. Fixer-upper,
1: that would be lowercase f, lowercase u. Not yes. from the TV show.
0: Not affiliated at all. And then... <laughs> Uh, Cameron uh, decided to have another baby, and that's why he thinks he can't be here. Like, let me just let me just clarify: we don't have paternity leave on this podcast, Cameron. <laughs> so you better be taking this out of your vacation days because that's unacceptable.
1: We're just like the U.S. federal government we don't allow paternity leave.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, that's a conversation for another friend. We are so happy for Cameron and Brittany and uh, little Finn. Can't wait to meet him. Super exciting, guys! Lots been happening in the Popcorn Optional family. You bought a house. We, we have like another kid in the whole Popcorn Optional group. I've just been super busy. No big, no big life changes here for the Browns. Just crazy busyness with work. Um, but we, we apologize that we were gone as long as we were. We'll try and be better about it. We might not. I don't know. No promises. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll uh, see. Also
1: Also, the slate of movies the past few weeks has not really inspired us to take action.
0: No, it has not, and that is changing. We're reviewing Toy Story four tonight, uh, so that that's exciting. Uh, next week we've got Spider Man, I believe, so I'm I'm really excited uh, yep. about that. Yep. So, yep, yep. and then that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in the fall. No, we're just kidding. We'll see kidding.
1: you for Hobbs and Shaw. You know, I'm kind of down
0: for it. Kind of oh, down. Oh, so
1: it. ready for Hobbs and Shaw.
0: Can't wait. It's gonna be awesome. But let's, uh, let's hop into really the only big news piece that's worth talking about at all that's happened in like the last month that we've been off. Uh, maybe the biggest news in the history of the show, The Office is leaving Netflix with other tent-pull NBC shows soon to follow as we enter streaming wars hell. So basically what happens is NBC, just like every other cable channel uh is starting their own streaming service they're somehow behind cbs on getting a streaming service set up nbc what the hell like how did the baby boomers beat you to the internet um (laughs) it'll be free to anyone that has a paid tv subscription so if you have paid tv subscription already you're good just like all the other ones or if you don't it'll cost 12 bucks a month and no matter what you use there's going to be ads But in 2020, The Office will leave Netflix and go to NBCU. That is not a college. That is a streaming platform. And uh, (laughs) let's just take a moment to, to mourn.
1: What we're losing in our life. If you if you go to NBCU for a music degree, do you just learn the three notes? Dun 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 dun. (laughs) Actually, very nice. Yeah, this is this is crazy. I feel like we've become. At least in our tiny niche of the internet, the weird authority and commenters on all things streaming business related. Yeah, um, but it's such a big part of how we consume media, so I think it fits in with what we do here. Um, it just, like, what are we doing here? Cable, like we've said before, <laughs> we're just we're just reinventing cable, but on the internet, and it, which is worse because it lags and it has um you know buffering like what <laughs> when when is like uverse going to truly figure this out and let you pick one channel per channel and pay for it like that why is no one doing it completely like that that's the breakthrough that is coming but what's going to happen now is we're wildly careening towards a situation in which i only have hbo And then rent anything older than that at the library. And that's it. Yeah,
0: Honestly, I'm considering the same thing like Netflix. Okay. So here's some stats. That's going to blow your mind.
1: These are insane office stats. Just truly insane.
0: The office makes almost a hundred million a year in licensing fees. Uh, That's not just on Netflix. That's kind of everywhere that you can stream it, but a hundred million a year. Uh, they make more than $500,000 per episode for streaming fees. And on Netflix, it accounts for almost 3% of all streaming. That is insane when you think about how much content is on Netflix and the fact that 3% is one show. It is it is responsible for over 52 billion minutes of productivity being lost in this country last year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's how much that's how much it was streamed and watched last year. And with what's going on, like you said Trevor, with what's going on with the streaming wars, what's weird is Netflix's only like thing that keeps me there is classics like The Office, like Parks and Rec, like 30 Rock, which is no longer there. Um and then you have Stranger Things. And that's really the only blockbuster original series that Netflix has when you compare it to something like HBO. It's not even in the same league. HBO has Chernobyl, Big Little Lies, Game of Thrones, The Wire, like all of these classic shows that are on there, these new, I think HBO is really killing it right now and not getting enough credit for, for how good of a job they're doing. But, but how big
1: of a loss is this for Netflix, Trevor? I mean, you said it yourself, it's 3% of their viewing, which is really insane like i don't i don't don't feel like we can say that too many times how crazy that is um i had no idea um but but yeah i i don't know that it's necessarily on its own gonna keep me away from netflix i know we all of us have been trending away from it anyway um i would say that black mirror is not necessarily a top tier show but a second tier show that's pretty good and worth watching um but you know those come out once every year or two and there's three or four of them so yeah. you can borrow somebody's password to watch that you know like it's not a big deal um but we're
0: also on the trend that netflix's prices are only going up i mean in the last right I think five to six years right. they've almost doubled their prices
1: well when they're so... spending 30 million dollars on lost in space reboot i mean <laughs> the money's got to come from somewhere but the the one thing that's keeping me interested in netflix is i think they could do something really cool with the with chronicles of narnia i think if they put the money into it and they make it in a miniseries format instead of a movie format i think it could be something really special and really cool
0: yeah that would be cool they're also making a uh, a witcher series which i'm i love those video games and i'm am a huge nerd so that's interesting with henry cavill attached as the the lead Um,
1: Is it jacked Henry Cavill or regular Henry Cavill?
0: I think Henry Cavill has become permanently jacked. I think that's what's happened. I approve. Um, (laughs) I, I think the other... I don't know. If you go on Netflix recently, you can sense the amount of acquisition that they're making and kind of like reaching for new markets. I feel like if you go to new releases or recently added categories, it's like exclusively foreign films or anime that's been dubbed for American audiences. Have you noticed that?
1: Yeah. I know that they're really pushing, um, the, the films that have been huge in China recently, like the wandering earth that came to Netflix pretty quick here in the States. Um, and I, and so, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what I think they're I think Netflix has always, especially, well, I'll say this since Netflix really hit it big transitioned into streaming over DVDs as their main business source. They've really, they throw stuff in a million different directions all the time. And, and I think they're just looking for what sticks and what, where the cycle is at. Yeah. Um, So I I think, I mean, Netflix is here to stay. They're not going to go away, but are they going to keep the market share they have? I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that losing the office is going to lose three percent of their subscribers.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's but going to be know. interesting. It's it's with the subscription model and Netflix being really the pioneer of it, besides Amazon Prime. I mean, let's just guess that Netflix has a hundred million users. I I'm sure they have more than that. But what yeah, they're making a, worldwide, they're, definitely. They're making about what, like a billion a month
1: in revenue. Is right. is that? So they've yeah. they've
0: got to spend this money somehow. I understand. Uh, what do
1: you what do you think they pay in cooling for their servers, though?
0: <laughs> I I have no clue. The, like the amount of data. I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> though, the uh, the streaming quality makes me wonder. Like, why am I paying this much a month if uh, we can only show six pixels on the screen at a time right now? Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I it it worries me about Netflix. I I find myself moving away from Netflix except for things like The Office, and that's it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm so, I'm I'm there with you.
0: So pouring out for Michael Scott and the Office crew. Um, the,
1: the most important question we haven't asked is what percentage of that 100 million does Creed Bratton receive?
0: <laughs> I was thinking this like what do you think the distribution distribution is of that is that is that like all going to NBC I'm sure the producers are getting a cut and that's why Michael Sher and Greg well, Daniels are both honorable mentions like I'm sure there was a part of the contract renegotiations after like season six and seven right where well they're there's getting gotta licensing be licensing fees
1: and yeah everybody who's part of one of the unions has to be getting something yeah. Um, the actors, the, the crew, the producers, the writers. I mean, this um, is
0: why like Jenna Fisher has just been like, you know what? I'm going to be a mom. Like,
1: yeah, I'm going to, I'm so, just going to be funny on Instagram. I'm Jenna yeah, Fisher.
0: Cause I'm making so much money. So, you know, good for her. Good, good for all of the office That's, crew. That
1: is 100% the goal for me. Like if you can do one thing, work for seven or eight years, and then like just live a decent, comfortable life after that, like why do you need to work? What is what what are you doing?
0: Yeah, it's it's all about making money when you sleep, right? That's that's the goal. (laughs) Who would have thought we'd be taking financial lessons from Michael Scott?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I declare bankruptcy. Uh all right well uh
0: Trevor I guess the last question is what's your plan for the streaming apocalypse? I mean are you going to do a bunker in the backyard or <laughs> like what what are you thinking?
1: I mean I think the I think I have to start buying $4 DVDs at Walmart again. I think that's the only way around this.
0: Yeah, I think we are kind of seeing a transition back to physical media a little bit. Um uh for 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 all of you out there, I think it's like $70 on iTunes to buy the whole office series and you own it so there's that option if you don't want to keep paying for netflix get a dvd for hundred dollars i don't know there's or just get like a library subscription uh, or card and go get it from your local library and watch it as yeah, you wish
1: yeah get a library subscription and get canopy it's free if your library does that and then watch a bunch of classic and foreign films instead there you go don't
0: don't do what I do and just keep watching the office over and over again. So you can <laughs> quietly quote it to yourself while you do other things while it's on in the background. Oh, I have a problem. Okay. <laughs> Moving forward. Unless do you have any other thoughts on that, Trevor?
1: No, I mean, I feel like we talk about this every week, but it's slightly different, but yeah, my, the end, the end thing is always go support your local library please.
0: (laughs) We, we are like weirdly the, the champions of the library. I like it. I appreciate it.
1: Knowledge is power. And at the library, it's also free. So that is right. There you go. Is
0: right. Okay. Moving forward, moving on to our review of toy story Four, the movie that doesn't need to exist, but is still good anyways. Um, (laughs) let's go ahead and hit our general toy story and pixar thoughts real quick we we have a whole pixar ranked episode kind of back in our episode catalog it was one of our earlier ones so if you want to hear our overall thoughts on pixar as a studio and the stu- and the toy story films go check that out but uh trevor just quick little recap what are your thoughts on toy story and so pixar? uh
1: toy story 3 um, with no hyperbole is one of the great movie trilogies, or to- the Toy Story, sorry, one through three, no hyperbole whatsoever, one of the great movie trilogies of all time. Um, pitch Perfect, everything about it is beautiful, wonderful, touching, relatable. I saw the first one in theaters five times as a six-year-old, couldn't get enough of it. Toy man. Story 2, I love it. I will go to bat for it. Everyone always says, I love Toy Story, but Toy Story 2, man, no, it's just as good. It's fantastic. Get over yourselves. It's great. Toy Story 3, a perfect ending, completes the cycle. I cried. Um, yeah, these are just great movies. Just, It's the soul of Pixar and what Pixar would become and what we love Pixar for came through these movies in a way that is understandable and relatable and just interesting i I they're just they're just fantastic, I love them,
0: yeah, I mean totally agree i I think that Pixar we we obviously love Pixar and I've talked about it at length in an episode and in multiple episodes on this podcast um but I agree Toy Story is Pixar at its peak it's at its, it's at its like core it's it's where it's what started all of it, you know, and so um, it really does feel like they're bread and butter like they can just get right back in the in the seat and it's like, it's like riding a bike, you know, you just don't forget. You just, you click right into it. And, um, I, I think one through three is one of the better trilogies ever in movie, movie history, especially that third film is just perfect is a perfect movie. Um, this, this movie doesn't need to exist, but it still fits into the catalog pretty nicely. We'll, we'll touch on that in a second. um, Let's just, let's just hop right into that. Like, what, what are your general thoughts on Toy Story 4, Trevor, as a film?
1: Um, it We've talked about this a lot, and you've said it several times. It didn't need to exist. It doesn't need to exist. And this movie, while I wanted to give it a chance, never proved that it needed to exist. This movie was a big old meh for me. Mm. Um, it's very well made. It's beautiful. It's fun. It's funny. It's sweet. But it's just not right. Yeah. It's not right. And one of the problems is that there are eight different people who got a story or writer credit on this movie. And mm-hmm. that's too many people.
0: <laughs> 100% agree. So, um,
1: yeah, it just, it just, it looks right, but it never feels right. And even the, like the voice performances don't feel quite right. Right. It just yeah. doesn't, it's not what it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah. I, I generally agree with you. Um, I, I think that we don't need this movie. Toy Story 3 was literally the perfect end to like the perfect series. It was, it was so good. Doesn't need to be touched. For some reason, this movie exists and it 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 was fine. Like it entertained me. I laughed. I teared up at one moment. Um, it had all the general Pixar box check moments of, Oh, this is a good movie. And then when you leave the theater, you start thinking of like, Hey, wait a minute, this happens and that happens. And that doesn't really make sense. And like the more you think about it, it, it kind of falls down for me a little bit. Um, Overall, it's it's a great time at the theater compared to all, all everything else that's been coming out this summer. Um, if you liked Toy Story in general, I think you're gonna you're gonna like this movie. Um, it will entertain you, and this is maybe some of the best animation ever <laughs> on screen. Oh
1: my gosh, it's absolutely beautiful, incredibly beautiful.
0: It is. It's just crazy. It's it is crazy. The the level of texture atmosphere and detail that they are doing on screen in this film, especially when you compare it to the original toy story. If there are like side by side shots of like Bo Peep and toy story one, Bo Peep and toy story four, it looks like we're in different universes. (laughs) (laughs) It's insane. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think my general overall thought overall thoughts is if you like Pixar, if you like toy story, go see this movie you will be entertained, but it is it is nowhere near the caliber that we have come to expect from the Toy Story films. And honestly, I don't think this helps the story of the expanded universe of Toy Story uh, grow at all. Like, it, it, if anything, it kind of hurts it in a way, which we will get to in spoilers right now. Trevor, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the general plot of this film?
1: Okay, so if you're if you're going to end this movie this way, there's no reason you should not have ended toy story three this way. Hmm. The, the plot of this movie could have been a B plot to toy story three and it would have worked perfectly. What if you find Bo Peep in the daycare instead of at the carnival Mm -hmm. and the same Woody, Woody struggling with change undertones are running through it. It's, it could have It toy story three could have ended the same way. It could have been the same movie, but this, this doesn't, it doesn't feel right because it's every other movie before this. I mean, Woody is obviously, you know, the leader, the main character, but, the movie has belonged to everyone and this movie is about Woody. And that's why that's the biggest reason for me that it doesn't feel right. Like Buzz Lightyear, who we've seen immense character growth from since the first movie takes like a million steps backwards. Like, yeah. It's like like, an
0: almost offensive level.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like the inner voice thing is stupid beyond belief. I, 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 all of his actions just going through his sound effects. Like they were, it was too much. It was too much of a reliance on that. Tim Allen did not feel like his heart was in this to me. Buzz Lightyear taking a weird backseat here. I did not like, I just, there's the, yeah, how it fits in the overall narrative is what I have massive issues with here.
0: Yes. And, and we'll get to kind of like what's happening in the world. In a little bit, I totally agree with everything you're saying, Trevor. The characters feel weirdly like like square pegs and round holes almost in this film. Um, also, I think that a big issue for me is that the plot changes halfway through the movie. Like. Yeah. Halfway yeah. through, the, like at the 30 to 40 minute mark, you're like, oh, okay, we got to protect Forky. Forky's going to go on this self realization that he is not trash and he's a toy. Just kind of like, it's like Toy Story 2 or Toy Story 1 all over again with Buzz Lightyear. And yeah. you're not a space ranger. You're a toy. What does it mean to be a toy? And then, like, we take this shift away from saving Forky to this weird, like, character realization slash almost like abandonment that woody does that we'll get to here in a second but like the the plot there's not like an a and a b plot there's like plot one plot two and there's like <laughs> this this hard shift yeah um, and
1: and there's there's we the villain gets redemption for no reason
0: absolutely no, no reason at all. The,
1: the the redemption is not earned whatsoever
0: yes not at all. And it was such a sh- quick shift. Not good. Um, another thing that I, I was wishing happened more in this film is like with that A, B plot thing, when Woody does meet Bo and she's like a badass now, like that was awesome. Totally down yeah. for that. It was very
1: then, um How to Train Your Dragon 2, I felt yes, like.
0: Yes. And then they get to the antique store. And the way that they were kind of filming the antique store and the characters and Bo and Woody are like walking down the neon lit aisles. I was like, oh, is this going to be like a detective noir film? Yeah, I know. Like as the private investigator and Woody's the damsel in distress. I'm so down for this because like (laughs) Toy Story 3 was like a heist film. Toy Story 2 was almost like a Star Wars style film of like you're the chosen one. Like a
1: breakout Yeah, Yeah.
0: like, will you go to the dark side of like Uh. this antique? Will you be like collector toy, or will you be a kid's toy? Um, like taking these genres and kind of flipping them. And then Toy Story Four, I was like, oh, this is gonna be odd. They're gonna take on like the mafia of the antique store. What? This is so. Oh, we're not doing that anymore. That's just over. Like, (laughs) it was, (laughs) it was so weird. It was such a weird pivot, and I, I was a little let down by that because they were kind of setting up my expectations in one direction and then they went another direction that kind of let me down.
1: Yeah and and while I love Key and Peel and I love Key and Peel together of course mm-hmm. because everyone does and they were hilarious why on earth are do you introduce new characters doing something that is tailor made for Ham and Rex to do together like <laughs> you could even almost keep the same lines for what yeah. the characters are doing and it could be ham and rex
0: that would have been that would have been funny i i loved the plush rush stuff like right yeah (laughs) oh it was i mean yeah it was it it was
1: definitely funny but it just didn't feel right again
0: i agree well let's let's get to the characters because that's really is what such a big part of these movies are is the characters that we've grown to know and love so let's start with the classic characters, what did you think of? I mean, we we already touched on on Woody and Buzz, but like I felt like we didn't get really any time with with Slink, Rex, Ham, Potato Heads. Like we we see them for maybe two minutes in this movie.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. What is what the heck is that about? That's a very odd story choice to me. This movie should have been called like
0: Woody's big adventure like
1: Woody's last ride <laughs> a toy story film or something yeah. like that
0: Woody goes west
1: because the best part of this movie was the flashback at the beginning man mm-hmm. my heart was racing I had the feels poor mm-hmm. little RC stuck in the gutter oh mm-hmm. man yeah Gosh. and that
0: then that like one cut one take animation thing with the with the white cuts mast of Woody playing with Andy growing up and then being given to Bonnie like that scene was yeah. so powerful and beautiful. Yeah. And then we just kind of abandoned a lot of the old characters or just kind of put Buzz in like a dummy corner. Um what did you think about the new characters? Let's start with let's start with Forky. What did you think of Tony Hale so, as Forky?
1: So, Tony Hale is interesting because He kind of often goes to this Buster Bluth well, and that's who he is. Like I think that's who he is as a person. It's pretty. It's kind of. It's kind of derivative and unoriginal at this point, but he does it so well that I am amused by it always. Um, Yeah. The idea, right
0: character, and he does it right. It's perfect. No one is better than that when it's that character.
1: Right, and they really could. They, they scratch the surface on some really interesting things of like, when does a toy become sentient and what makes it a toy and how does that happen? Mm -hmm. And like you were saying about kind of the, the Buzz Lightyear kind of thing, but a completely different take on it. Mm -hmm. And, and then it just suddenly becomes a backseat. And then he's this weird hostage that doesn't realize he's a hostage because he's dumb (laughs) <laughs>
0: they're they're definitely like after Toy Story three was this weird kind of like sad dystopian thought of are there just millions of sentient toys rotting in a in a like a garbage dump somewhere that are they're just right. like stuck in trap and it was it was very sad. This film kind of opens that up to like toys have a choice and you can choose to be a toy and you can choose. To be a, to be with a kid or to, like, you can make your decision and, and you can find happiness in that decision. And, y- like, you you can be bigger than your purpose. What is your purpose? Blah, blah, blah. Interesting concepts to explore in this film. I think they did a good job of that with Forky and with Woody, which we'll get to later. um What did you think about, we've already touched on the plush rush. I don't remember their names, <laughs> but that's what I'm calling them now. Um, what did you think about Gabby Gab or Gab? Gab Gabby whatever her name was uh,
1: Gabby Gabby. Yeah, Gabby Gabby I, I thought, thought she was interesting I thought Christina Hendricks was very good she does that she does that voice of like I'm talking to you like I'm being nice but I'm definitely not that's like Christina mm-hmm. Hendricks's wheelhouse um, <laughs> which is who um, Joan from Mad Men is as a person so it really works for her mm-hmm. um, but but I It just, it fizzles out. This is like a, this is a really evil character. She wants to destroy part of a toy, which I do have some philosophical issues with. They don't have a voice box, but they can still talk, just not for the humans. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know about this conceptually. I'm not sure I agree with it. (laughs) Um, But I, I thought it was an interesting character until suddenly we just forgive her for being evil because we understand yeah we we
0: hugzo was such a like almost dolores Umbridge level hateable yeah. character lots and of hug and
1: bear is a is an all-time villain just so classic
0: so scary but also like so approachable like ah oh, just so good um and I um, I got those vibes starting with Gabby Gabby. I was like, ooh, she's creepy. Ooh, these little these little ventriloquist dummy guys. Oh, these are these are creepy. She's uh-huh. like creepy nice kind of how you're saying with Christina Hendricks' performance is just fantastic. But uh yeah, left me wanting a lot uh more <laughs> from that character and the redemptive arc way too quick. Um and and let's let's get to. Well before we get to Woody, what do you think of Bo?
1: Um I I liked Bo. I thought she was a really interesting character. I think that the way that she is makes sense based on her experiences. Mm-hmm. Um I thought yeah, I thought I I really liked what they did with it. You you touched on this a little bit, but um the kind of independent thing um understanding of the bigger world, kind of realizing that that kids are not necessarily trustworthy because they're not going to be around for you forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't expect to keep them happy forever. And I thought that was a really interesting an interesting thing to do and an interesting way to teach it to Woody through, through I guess, the person he's always loved. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought Bo was awesome. I thought she was a badass. It was cool to kind of see her after getting weirdly like just kind of written out of Toy Story three to to be back and like have them kind of f- tie up that loose end and and have her be awesome, um, I also thought that it was a great way to kind of introduce this this concept of choice and choosing to uh, have a kid basically, um, choosing your purpose is essentially what this movie is about. That's what I got out of it. And they explore that through a few characters, Bo and Woody. What did you think of Woody in this
1: film? Oh, he just, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I understand why he's kind of sad and mopey. Um,
0: He's tired, man. He's not yeah. the main kid. He's not the main toy anymore. He's tired. But I I, just, I, get it.
1: It just doesn't... I don't know... It doesn't feel like Tom Hanks was all there. Part of it for yeah. me. I think that's that's why I feel a little lukewarm on it. He just didn't seem right.
0: I think for me, my issue with it is that Woody... At this, at the end of this film, the choice he makes for himself almost seems to go like explicitly against who the character is at the core of the character, like that we've gotten to know, you know, like we've spent three, three and a half movies of Woody doing anything possible, doing everything it takes to like take care of a kid, to love a kid, um... and and be there for the kid and then in in the fourth movie he just kind of is like nah i'm done like (laughs) i'm over it yeah and that was interesting that 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 was weird um because i feel i felt like toy story 4 was making this 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 film that was a beautiful metaphor for for parenthood and and the 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 levels that we go to for our children and, and what does it mean to be a parent and what does it mean to 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 struggle and and to choose to love your kid no matter what because that's your job and your job is to be there for them. And oh no he's gone. He's leaving. There there he goes. He chose Bo. He chose his girlfriend. Oh my you know, like that was just
1: I'm that not was a little weird. I'm not sure I like the idea of toys that are not made that way to be love interests like <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Potato head. Cool with that. Barbie and Ken. Cool with that. But I don't, I don't like, I don't think that that should be something that they're capable of. Maybe. I don't it's know. It's a
0: little Weird. It's a little weird when you start thinking about it. The, uh, I was sitting next to a couple that was the, the, the girl in the couple was, very emotionally affected by this film um, <laughs> weeping at times. And at the end, when they got back to when Bo and Woody got back together on top of the little carousel with, with the beautifully animated Boca, uh, anamorphic Boca of the Ferris wheel behind them, incredibly animation in this movie. Uh-huh. Um, the girl goes, are they going to kiss? <laughs> <laughs> and in my head, I was like, Oh, I hope not. That would be weird.
1: That would be terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, so glad that didn't happen.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
0: All right, well, I guess I don't want it to sound like we're just complaining and crapping all over this movie because it's, it's better than 90% of the other movies that are going to come out this year, but there is the Pixar standard, um, and they unfortunately have created this for themselves. So the last thing that I want to complain about and then we'll get to some (laughs) praises is the rules of the toy story world are just like oh my gosh they're just oh my gosh it breaks every rule that it's established at the last few movies like toys are taking chances left and right they're literally talking to humans and like Severely affecting the world to a point where it would be impossible for a person to not notice what is happening. Yeah, it's, <laughs> the humans are so dumb. It's um,
1: it's it's too much. It's, it's way too, too much. much.
0: It's too much. Also, Woody does a ten k in the matter of a couple of hours. He's like jumping out of a car. How far is it? Five point two miles. I can make it. No, you can't.
1: You're a toy. <laughs> Oh yeah. This is this is the first movie that I believe that Pete Doctor was not involved in at all. So mm. Okay. Interesting. So take that for what it's worth. Andrew Stanton co wrote the screenplay, and John Lasseter was also involved with the story, so
0: And Rashida Jones.
1: Right. Yes. Who I think was involved on the story for Toy Story Three as well. Yes. Is that right?
0: Yes. Yeah. um, Man, just just some weird, some weird decisions in this film with characters and the plot. Yeah, It's almost this
1: film. This is a, a strange complaint that we don't usually have on this podcast, but the expansion of this world asks makes you ask too many questions that you don't like the answers to.
0: Hmm, how so? What what is one well, of Well, I
1: mean just what we were talking about with the idea of like are all these toys in the dump somewhere? Like Yeah. And I know that Toy Story 3 kind of touches on that, but it's so it's so singular for just that one moment and it doesn't feel like it expands to the rest of the universe. But this, yeah. they're like literally on a road trip and in a different place. And it causes you to think about, oh, there are toys everywhere and and all of this. And, oh, my gosh, I've thrown toys away before, you know, and it's (laughs) I I think it it pushes the envelope too far on the concept.
0: Yeah. While still
1: trying to keep it in a fairly grounded reality, notwithstanding the unified theory of Pixar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It would have been interesting if it was like, for some reason, just like Andy's Neighborhood. Is able to have these toys be sentient. Like there's something happening there. And then like you can get to know the other houses in the neighborhoods and build kind of relationships between like the house across the street has these toys and down the street are the bad toys. Instead, it is literally this this universe of incredibly emotional and empathetic (laughs) uh, creatures that are just being tossed to the wayside.
1: Yeah, see, here's what's happening here. This the way that this story and plot works, it undoes our suspension of disbelief, which I think is a quadruple negative. But yeah. but we didn't ask these questions after the first 3 films. That's true. That's true.
0: So we we've kind of had our complaints about the plot. Once again, I want to reiterate that this is you know, there are issues but it is, a, I enjoyed it. I laughed, I teared up, I felt the Pixar emotions. You're going to like this movie. We just have incredibly high standards um, for specifically Toy Story and Pixar films. Um, and one area where they crushed it is the technical aspects of this film. This is maybe some of the best animation I've ever seen.
1: It's, yeah, it, it's, and it's, it's interesting in that I don't feel like they, they didn't reinvent the wheel and Pixar rarely does, but they just do what they do better than anyone else does it. They didn't do anything groundbreaking, like Into the Spider-Verse or anything mm-hmm. like that, but they just took their style and once again upped it, and it's just perfect and beautiful. Um, If you see this movie, try to see it in IMAX, or wait and see it on Blu-ray or in 4K or something like that. You've got to mm-hmm. see it at highest quality because... It's, it's definitely worth it and completely beautiful.
0: They, the cinematography specifically, it feels so weird to say cinematography for an animated film, but that's like the world we're living in where you can like pick lenses for your virtual camera. They, they, they shot this film on cook anamorphic glass, but it's an animated film. Like they the, have
1: a there was a director of photography on this, wasn't there? Multiple someone get a credit for it. A few multiple
0: okay. directors of photography. Um, yeah. and like the and when I say cook anamorphic, like that's like as a cinematographer, when, I, when I'm seeing the lens flares and seeing the way the book is interacting and the coating on the lens, the way the coating on the lens is interacting with the light is incredibly similar to actual cook anamorphic glass, which is some of the nicest anamorphic glass you can get. But like, I was noticing those things, like the the subtle imperfections of the way that like there's speculars in the highlight of the lens flare as if there's dust on the lens of this virtual camera showing us animated toys coming to just like the levels that they're taking here to make it feel as real as possible is fantastic also i don't think any other studio comes close to pixar's capability to animate emotion in a human face on a computer generated character you guys
1: i can't i you guys i'm so used to being with cam miss you cam um (laughs) especially this is the first time i've seen one of the toy story films since my daughter was born and it's impossible for me to not substitute my daughter for bonnie in my brain and and, in that that i think that it says a lot about the reality of it that I can see my daughter and her actions through this animated character. Mm-hmm. That it just you, feels like that. Did
0: you tear up when that little girl was lost and then picked up? Gabby oh my gosh. And oh my gosh. Like,
1: Are you lost too? I, can't.
0: I was. I, I was. I,
1: I don't know that I could watch that scene again. I just. Between yeah. th- between that and Shazam, we've had too many kids lost at carnivals and movies this year. Uh, and, so true, guys. And I, can't, and I can't do any more of this. Just, just kids, don't go to carnivals. This is oh what we've my learned. Gosh, that was <laughs> that was, and it was a weird. It was almost like a. It was almost like a cheating sort of emotion, like Toy oh, Story yeah. Three earned its crying moment through oh, yeah. years and years. Of experience And then this was like, oh, yeah, we'll make them feel random girl lost at the carnival. Absolutely. Try to get through this, parents.
0: Absolutely. The funny thing, too, is like with with Toy Story 3, it was like, you're emotional because we might lose these characters that we love. And with this one, it was like, I didn't care at all that Gabby Gabby got picked up. And like the culmination of her character arc couldn't care less. It was like, yeah. <laughs> this girl is so sad. Somebody help her. I know, I know right? Uh yeah, okay. well, that was a very emotional moment for all of us um, and I just it was it was significantly helped, but it didn't help me emotionally to have the incredible score by Randy Newman uh underneath this film. like I'm not a Randy Newman fan, but for some reason, his music just belongs in these toy Story films. It's, it's just
1: it they cannot exist without the other it's, it's just, perfect. it's such a Going back to the very first one, which is, can you imagine this, a upcoming studio that Steve Jobs used to work for at some point makes a feature length film outside of the studio system. And they call you Randy Newman, who, you know, has a pretty loyal cult following and is kind of a big deal, especially as a songwriter. And he just he just, I guess, shows up, watches this film one day and is like, oh, yeah, I get the vibe. And he writes these beautiful songs. Um And you've got a friend in me is, in my opinion, a classic original song for cinema um mm-hmm. on the short list of greatest songs ever in a movie. And and he does it every single time. This is the fourth one. And you're right. It's just right. It just yeah. is how it should sound and feel.
0: There were multiple moments where the score would swell and it would just be complimenting it so perfectly what was happening emotionally to the point where like. I generally don't notice scores until a- afterwards and I re-listen to them and I'm like, man, this was so good. But I was notice- actively noticing like, this is so perfect. Like it-, it ties the world together, makes it feel so, so real. And it's
1: and- this, it's this like genreless music. Like yeah. it's like, it has these elements of like classic cowboy music in yes. American folk music, but it also yes. just has that, it has that kind of Randy Newman bounce and bubble to it, but, but it just wouldn't work with anything else. I don't even know. I don't, like I said, I don't even know what genre this is. Like, what is it? It's, it's just music <laughs> that goes with toy story. That's what genre it is.
0: Yeah. I honestly don't know if it is. A, it's just toy story music. Like when <laughs> like I It's not I classical. It. It's not, no. it's not,
1: no. Guitar Whims- music, whimsical,
0: it's... whimsical cowboy music. <laughs> oh, and it's perfect. So, yeah, yeah, the technical aspect, fantastic. Um, where do you see the franchise going? Like, is it over? It feels over, but it feels less over than it Here's did the with thing. Toy Story 3. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that is a weird You're right. That's a weird thing that we ended up like that, but you're right. It, like I said from the very beginning, if you were gonna end this movie like this, it doesn't make sense to have not used it in Toy Story Three. And like,
0: also to have it, all of the post credit scenes of like the adventure continuing and like opening up the world even more.
1: Right. So I don't know, you well I don't want spin offs. We don't need spin offs, but you also can't make a Toy Story movie without Woody. I'm 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 a hard pass on that.
0: Especially with how dumb they've made Buzz Lightyear. <laughs>
1: right. Right, Buzz is not a leading man. Buzz had become especially in Toy Story 2 and then in this Toy Story 3 had become a worthy partner to Woody.
0: Mhm. Yeah, they balance each other out um, with, like, the same mission and goals and understanding, um, just different personalities. It was a perfect marriage. (laughs) Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I don't—I think it's done. I think the franchise is done. Because, like, the Toy Story films are the story of Woody, like—I mean, we think— are about like Woody's character arc, and I would say that his character arc—he's basically ridden off into the sunset with his his girlfriend. Like, right. that's basically what See, happened.
1: What what this should have been was is it should have been a twenty five minute short without Forky.
0: <laughs> yeah, Forky was very unnecessary in this film. When you really kind of zoom back and and like look at the overall character arc, there's.
1: I can I could probably think of five ways in the next two minutes how to get Woody inside that antique store without Forky.
0: Absolutely. Um I and also uh, I mean one other cameo where we haven't talked about yet is uh Keanu Reeves as Duke Kaboom.
1: <laughs> oh man, he was awesome. He Keanu was Reeves so can good. just
0: he's a minch. I don't care that Cameron's not here. We're not even voting on it. He's a minch. Keanu Reeves, minch. Welcome. <laughs> executive order
1: i don't even know i'm not sure that i would have said that prior to john wick
0: oh absolutely not
1: (laughs) and i think we talked about this that this is like an aside but it's weird that if you had told me five years ago that keanu reeves would later be known for for the the neo and the matrix would not be his iconic role i would have said you're crazy like what else could he possibly be in
0: yeah Um, and it's also like this mythical creature of just like perfection that does good things for random. He's just like the
1: nicest person in the world. Yeah. Like, like there are hundreds of stories on the internet about how he's the nicest person on earth
0: and the internet is obsessed with him. Yeah. Ken Reeves, yeah. You're, you're a mensch Come hang. You might listen to this. We don't know. You're so mysterious. If you do let us know, we will buy you all of the beers and, and just talk and we'll be nice to you. That was weird. I apologize. Okay. Anyways, and we will
1: ask you lots of questions about fighting in in a horse stable.
0: For sure. For (laughs) sure. I want to know how hard do you have to slap the horse for the horse to kill somebody? That's what I want (laughs) to know. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, uh, Duke Kapoom is awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I guess any other thoughts before we get to just kind of like final thoughts and, and ratings,
1: I mean, yeah, it it's a disappointment. Mm. I don't I don't need to go into it over and over again, but but it was a disappointment.
0: Yeah, I think I don't think I was as disappointed in it as you were. Um I think I I enjoyed my time in the theater. I laughed, I I teared up. I mean, it hit all the emotional beats you want in a Pixar film, but I mean, like we've said time and time again, Pixar has has become its own worst enemy. And that when you go into a specifically a toy story Pixar film, you are expecting it to be one of the best films of the year. It should be in the top three. That's the world that they have. That's, that's the standard they've built for themselves. Um, and that's tough. That's hard to do every single time. But that is what you have built your audience's expectations up to. So I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, but I do agree I was a little bit let down. Trevor, what is your grade for Toy Story Four?
1: Um I'm gonna give this a Toy Story two and a half out of Toy Story Four. Oof. Um it's just, not even a
0: C when you I like I mean
1: well you know you don't really have it doesn't really always translate to a hundred um hundred percent. But I mean it's it's fine. It's it's a well made film, it's a it's a good film, it's a sweet film, but it it raises too many questions. It doesn't answer them well. In my opinion, I just don't like what has happened to this.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you, Trevor. My rating is going to be a B. Um, I enjoyed it. I was a little let down. I'm really intrigued to see what happens with it at the box office. Now that Spider-Man is starting to play. um, I, I wonder if, like, Disney's kind of going against themselves because Disney owns everything now. <laughs> um, we'll see what kind of legs it has. I definitely think it's by far the best kids movie that's going to come out this year. Um, I disagree.
1: I, oh. I, I think How to Train Your Dragon Hidden World was better.
0: I haven't seen that one. I missed oh, that you have, one. I forgot so, you haven't seen it yet. Okay. And it's one of my favorite series ever, so I need okay. I need to get on that one. Yeah. Um, But... You know, overall, not great, but also not bad. A lot better than the other crap we see. Uh, And here's to a completely original lineup of Pixar films to come. There are no sequels on the release, like, upcoming calendar of Pixar. And that's the first time in a long time we've been able to say that, and that is really exciting. So, looking forward to what's Although to come. they
1: do apparently have um, a, an animated film that exists in the Bright Universe coming soon, though. Oh my god, no. Stop what's, it. What's, what's that thing called? What's it called?
0: Onward? Outward? Onward. Onward?
1: Out, out. Yeah, something like that. Is that
0: in the Bright Universe? Is that a real thing, or are you just cracking no, I'm jokes? Just,
1: I'm just kidding. It just, it okay. just looks oh like god. it is. Okay, oh my god. I mean, it's got it's got mystical to me. Fan, fantasy creatures, and they're driving vans around in yeah. the neighborhood. So it's, honestly, it's, it's pretty much bright.
0: That trailer is not good.
1: <laughs> I, I hope maybe we'll get another cool Bastille song out of this. So I'm
0: maybe that. that trailer is not good. I am I am worried. I have I, concerns.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do too.
0: Also, uh, no Pixar short in this movie. I was yeah, upset, man. but I was very glad it wasn't another twenty-five minute. Frozen Christmas thing <laughs> before Coco because God, that was the worst. Uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get to our content of the week. Trevor.
1: All right. I have not been doing a lot as far as content. A um, couple things I do want to touch on, though. One, The Women's World Cup is going on, and the U.S. is fun as heck to watch, except when our coach makes dumb decisions. Um, That's a conversation for another friend. (laughs) Um, But watch the U.S. ladies. Also, the U.S. men are playing, uh, soccer team, are playing in the Gold Cup, which is the North American tournament. Also fun, and they're doing pretty well as well. So lots of good soccer. Um, The women play usually in the afternoons. The men play in the evenings, so you can spread out your soccer. Um. other thing is, is my, my wife has been watching in just kind of <laughs> okay, extra hold on. moments.
0: Okay, Borat, the way you said
1: it. <laughs> my, wife, my, wife. my wife has been watching uh, The O.C. on Hulu. Okay. And let me tell you guys, The O.C., not as bad as you remember it being. I don't know how you remember it exactly. Huh. But it is a good little just drama central trash watch and peter gallagher is great in it as sandy cohen so Hmm. the oc never never watched it maybe give it a chance i mean it's not like the best thing but it's got the good teen drama if you need some teen drama with with some redemption in it and i like redemption in my teen drama i like good parenting also and it has that as well
0: (laughs) all right good recommend the oc from trevor also, uh, that
1: theme song, you guys. Oh, yeah. So classic, good. Classic. Classic.
0: Um, I'm going to recommend something that I feel like if you have an HBO subscription, you've probably already watched it, and that is Chernobyl. Oh, my God, guys. This is such a sad and heavy series that is incredibly well done. I, I basically watched the whole thing. In, in one sitting, I was so compelled and so captivated by this incredible piece of very important, uh, very sad and accurate storytelling. Um, I think that this is even more timely than ever considering everything, everything that's happening in the world. If you have an HBO account or if you can borrow one from somebody, go watch Chernobyl. Holy cow. It's incredible. Um, have you watched it, Trevor?
1: I have not yet. Um, oh, I was hopeful Trevor. to get the HBO soon. Uh, gave a few trial runs on Sesame Street to my daughter. Still not interested. So um, hmm. okay. We're, okay. we're waiting on, on her to adopt the Sesame Street. And then we will be in the HBO pool for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, make that a priority, Chernobyl, when you get it. Because it is incredible. Um, I might just give you my login so you can watch it, Trevor. Because it is so good. Okay. Um, that offer only extends to Trevor. Please, nobody else text me. Um, (laughs) uh, All right. That has been our review of Toy Story 4 and our content of the week. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can find more on PopcornOptional.com or you can find us on iTunes. We are also on the Twitter at PopcornOptional and we have Facebook, but Twitter's where it's at, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah Trevor where can we find you online
1: uh, I'm at Turbo Trevor and I'm on Twitter Instagram and Letterboxd I have not posted my Toy Story 4 Letterboxd review yet but it will be coming soon
0: very nice uh, Cameron can be found at 321 CammyTime time on Twitter and I believe he's C Slanina on Letterboxd I think that's right uh Cameron we miss you buddy come back soon but also take your time super excited for you and Brittany Uh, and you can find me at jakebrown.tv that is my website and my Instagram Um, and yeah if you've enjoyed listening to us we hope to see you in the next one we should have a review on Spider-Man Far From Home coming up soon very excited about that one which is a real movie
1: that is actually coming out I think it
0: is it is a real movie my predictions slash concept was wrong thank god I'm not upset about it um but we're excited about that movie can't wait and uh you know in honor of in honor of the office that's what she said